Welcome back to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com. And with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports, we pop on out to the KDOS hotline to talk all things Phoenix Suns and maybe a little Pac-12 ASU U of A as well with the Athletics' Doug Howler. Doug, as always, thanks for the time. It's Bob and Kayla. How are you today? I'm doing great. I appreciate you guys having me. Absolutely. Looking forward to the conversation here. Obviously, the Suns introduced their new head coach, Frank Vogel, this week. And we'll get into that, how he became their next head coach. But I want to start with yesterday's news regarding reports on Chris Paul's future with the team. You had Sham Sharinia of uh, The Athletic reporting that the Suns are exploring multiple options that include a trade, stretching his contract, or waiving him and re-signing him. So first of all, can you walk us through what those options are and what's the sense of what Paul as well as what the team want well to start I think everyone knew um, just based on where Chris is in his career just turning 38 um, the fact that he has slowed down though I, I do think there is value in Chris Paul I think he's um, above an above average point guard in the NBA I think he's uh, his leadership is unparalleled uh, uh, and I think he adds a lot to the Suns. I think he I think that was in the playoffs once he went down in game two of the Western Conference semifinals. I think uh, the Suns were just kind of unsettled for the, at times during the rest of that series. So it wasn't so much of, you know, it, it was the contract. You know, is he worth making, bringing back $30.8 million, uh, next year? No. So what are the solutions to that? And I think what we saw yesterday is just the first step in that process. Um, you know, could they, if they waive him, um, you know they could they could possibly renegotiate um, and bring him back at the veterans minimum. Uh, there seems to be some interest on both sides, or at least on the Sun sides of bringing him back. But you know Chris would have to um, <laughs> agree to come back with a pay cut, a severe pay cut, and you know loyalty is 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 a factor. But I just don't know if that would be the case. Um, Part of that $30 million is guaranteed, so the Suns are tied up already for $15 million. Um, does it make sense to pay him $15 million and have him sign somewhere else? I don't know. Uh, they could waive and stretch him, stretch his contract, which would be they would pay the, the $15 million over five years. Uh, and if they do that, uh, it saves them money, obviously. It gives them cap space, but they would not be able to bring back Chris uh, under that situation. And then they could trade him, uh, which probably, you know, if you just look at it, would be the the best solution but you know then again you're like who who finding a trading partner would be difficult and also not only finding a trading partner under normal circumstances but finding a trading partner now when there's a good chance that if you just waited out chris might be waived and might become a a free agent you could you know negotiate under that way so a lot of things to to uh unravel there and we have till i think june 28th to probably um figure out which direction the team's going to go but uh just a lot of what is right now so if Paul doesn't return, is it just automatic the campaign becomes a starting point guard and is Payne ready for that? Um, I would say no, it's not automatic. I think um, they're going to have to – I mean, if they do decide to bring him back, Bob, I mean, yeah, he has value. I think he would be good. Can he hold up? I mean, that's been the question with Chris for the last couple seasons. Can he hold up at that age? Um you know, and be the point guard they need in the postseason. And, you know, there was a there was a pretty sharp drop from Chris Paul at 37 to 38. Um, 
you know, what's he going to like? What's he going to be like next season, going from thirty-eight to thirty-nine? I don't know. So I, I think if, if Chris Paul's not on the roster, they're, they're going to have to go out and find um, a, a, a really. I wouldn't say. I mean, they, they. I don't know if they could get a high-level point guard, but they're going to have to find somebody uh, that can run the team who could step in and, and kind of be that facilitator with, uh, beside Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, and you know, who knows if DeAndre Ayton will be around, but. Um, you know that I, I don't. I don't see them. I don't see them saying, "Okay, turn the keys over to, to campaign." I just don't think he's that type of point guard. I think his best quality is coming off the bench and, and uh, providing energy as he's done throughout his time in Phoenix. Doug Howler with the Athletic here on KDOS AM 1060 in the extra point. So on to Frank Vogel. What were your impressions from him as he was introduced this week, and any key takeaways from style, what he wants from the team, or how he's going to unlock DeAndre Ayton's potential? <laughs> well, you just said on it, Kayla. Uh, my, the biggest takeaway, I think, everyone walked out of that press conference uh, at the arena was, you know, DeAndre Ayton. Is you know, he talked a lot about needing a rim protector for his defense to operate at a high level. And throughout Frank Vogel's uh, time in the NBA, throughout his 10-plus seasons as head coach, most of the time when his defense has played at that high level, and and they've been really good at times, the best in the NBA, he's had a rim protector. Now, sometimes rim protection and shot blocks and shot, you know, they're not synonymous, but, you know, they do go hand-in-hand, and DeAndre just really hasn't been that guy. He hasn't been that force. Now, he does change some shots just because of his size, but you know I, I wouldn't say he's the best rim protector on, on the Suns team. I think uh, Bismarck Biombo is. So, you know, when, he, when Frank Vogel said that, and he even said, you know, I want to help, you know, restore was an interesting word to use, uh, DeAndre Aiden getting, getting him back to that all-star level. You know, the question was, you know, is DeAndre that guy? And, you know, can Frank Vogel come in and work some kind of magic to get him to that level? I'm not sure. I don't know. I, I think it, 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 in some, to some extent, DeAndre is who he is. Um, and also, does it make sense to, you know, to have, you know, put so much resources, $30 million, into a guy that, A, may not be the rim protector that you want, and, B, you don't use as a max-out guy. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see what they do with DeAndre Ayton this summer. Okay, so let's say that they move Aiton. What would they want, or what could they expect to get in return? Well, I, I think you could probably. I mean, there, you could get a, a good rim, rim protector probably at half the price. Um, so, I mean, what, what they need to do, whether no matter what decision they make with Chris Paul, DeAndre Aiton, um, the overall picture would be to the overall objective would be to, to open up some financial flexibility to be able to allow them to kind of build the roster around Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. I mean, those are your core pieces. Uh, I think the, the playoffs showed this past season or this season that, you know, that's not enough. <laughs> you know, they didn't have enough time to start with with Kevin Durant. But also, I think you've seen in the playoffs that you need a really strong bench to really uh, compete for a title. That's something the Suns did not have. And really, for I think the Suns to, to kind of answer those questions, they have to first figure out what they're going to do with, with, with Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton and then go from there and see what they can do. Doug Howler with The Athletic here on KDOS AM 1060 in the Extra Point. Okay, so you mentioned Kevin Durant. You mentioned Devin Booker. They're the pieces that they're going to be building around. So how much were they involved in the process of hiring Frank Vogel and how did Frank Vogel get to be the Suns' next head coach? They were involved. I talked to Matt Ishbia and James Jones about that. And 
I don't know if they were um, like involved, like, okay, uh, <laughs> they weren't involved in the interview process. But I mean, for the most part, they were told like, okay, here's what we're thinking. Um, here's what we're looking for. Here are the principles that we'd like. Um, here are the candidates that we have. Um, and, and I think, you know, I, as far as whether or not say, okay, Frank Gold was our guy, I'm sure they were informed before it went public. But, you know, I don't think uh, that, that that hiring Frank Vogel um, had necessarily had to get the seal of approval of those guys. I think it was, it was well known that, that um, Kevin Young, the assistant coach, was, was very well liked. Um, so those guys were, were informed of the process, I think, more than the actual, like, uh, <laughs> you know, what, what was being said in interviews and as far as that goes. But, yeah, I mean, just uh, – you know, they went from 10. Um, James Jones started interviewing 10 candidates by Zoom. They narrowed that down to five. Those five flew to Michigan and met at uh, Matt Ishbia's office in Pontiac. And, you know, I, I went through that. Uh, <laughs> uh, I went up to visit uh, Matt Ishbia when he was uh, first introduced to Sun's owner and got the tour of the place. And it's quite the home court advantage uh, just with how, I mean, it's like a college campus. So that's where they did their interviews. And, you know, just talking to James Jones and Matt Ishbia, uh, they were really floored with, uh, with, with what Frank Vogel told them, just with his presence, his ideas, how he articulated his ideas. Um, you know, he checked the boxes as far as championship pedigree, um, as far as w- working with superstars in the past, which he's done, obviously, with the Lakers. Um, and then just also, you know, James Jones told me a lot about just how he was impressed with what he's done defensively, not only just throughout the course of the season, but his willing. Uh, his willingness and ability ability to make adjustments as needed uh, to that defense. You mentioned a few things there. Obviously, uh, you wrote about earlier this week uh, the Suns hiring Vogel, how the Suns decided on Frank Vogel and what he'll bring to the uh, to Phoenix. Is the headline? Yeah, you know, want people to check out your story, of course. But you know, what kind of stood out to you during the process and uh, compiling the info for the story? Well, okay. Obviously, when something like this happens, everyone's going to say that he was the guy that we wanted uh, from the beginning, and <laughs> that happens to every coaching search. I don't know if that was that was the case at this point, uh, but I do know. You know, Matt told me. I asked Matt Ishbia. I said, "Had you ever known him, or have you ever met him?" He said he didn't know him at all. Um, he said that he didn't meet him until they had a meeting at his at his headquarters and. Uh, Frank arrived a little bit earlier, and they just sat down for 15 minutes in his office and, you know, waited for the other group from the Suns to arrive. And he said it was just, you know, just amazing how he, the comfort level just from the start was there, how Frank put him at ease. Um, and really, maybe it should have been the other way around, Matt putting him at ease, but Frank really did that. Um, now, how does that, you know, translate to basketball? I, I think when you come into a situation like this, when you're walking into not a rebuilding job, but a team that, that has title aspirations, a team that has stars in place, uh, there is an adjustment period. You know, you have to earn their trust, and you have to make them, uh, you know, feel like they have confidence in you. So I think that applies there. Um, but, yeah, it just – and then James Jones just going through, uh, you know, he, t- he told me how he took notes during the meeting, and afterwards, this was right before the Memorial Day weekend, uh, Ishbia told them, go back um, – think about this we'll get back for tuesday for a strategy session and james just said that once he went over his notes that everything that he was looking for in a head coach he said every box he said frank vogel um you know checked every one of those boxes and he said that it was just clear that by the time tuesday came 
uh, and they talked on their phone that that everybody was uh, convinced that he was their guy. Doug Haller with The Athletic here on KDOS AM 1060 in the Extra Point. Uh, so Frank also said that he hasn't defined assistant coaches' roles yet. We know Kevin Young has been retained, and we know that David Fisdale is set to join the staff as well. Do you like that Young has been retained, and, and can that work knowing that Young was up for the head coaching position? Yeah, that was interesting that he said uh, roles had not been defined because I think everyone was kind of assuming that Kevin Young would come in and be his lead assistant. And maybe some of that, I mean, obviously – it's been reported that he's going to make $2 million a year, so maybe he will be entitled by the lead, uh, the lead assistant. But I thought that was interesting the way he worded that. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, my goodness, uh, to, to not only get, you know, a finalist like Kevin Young, who, you know, according to Matt Ishbia, was really, really impressive during the interview process, um, had a great, a strong presentation. Uh, and obviously, as, as I mentioned, he had some backing from people in place. Um, with Devin Booker, but to get your maybe your top candidate and <laughs> maybe your second candidate, that's that's pretty impressive. And then also to bring someone uh, with the experience of David Fisdale, who has been a head coach in this league, has been on the management and the front office side of this. Um, that's a pretty strong staff, uh, you know. And, and that it starts with Frank Vogel. Obviously, he's won a championship. I mean, that's that's pretty good. Um, you know, it sounds like obviously Frank with Frank Vogel being a defensive-minded head coach. Uh, that, that Kevin Young, uh, who's known more at, on the offensive side, would maybe run the offense, be the offensive coordinator. But, uh, you know, to start out, you know, to be uh, at a place where you have to take the next step and, you know, you hear so much about a new voice being needed, um, I think the Suns went beyond that. They got the new voice, but I think they've upgraded their staff as well. Doug, away from the Suns, I want to ask you, obviously you covered ASU for many years. I want to ask you about the Pac-12 which still has plenty of uncertainty months after the announcement about USC and UCLA leaving, leaving soon uh, for, for the Big Ten. The Pac-12 television rights remain up in the air. Uh, you know, the Pac-12 you know, officials seem to be in concert as to staying, but should ASU and the UVA be looking to leave for, say, the Big 12? And what is the future of the Pac-12? Yeah, uh, definitely they should be looking. Uh, if you're not looking uh, in this day and age of college sports, if you're not looking out for your best interest, you will get left behind. I think everyone, if you haven't learned that lesson by now, particularly the Pac-12 schools, uh, in wake of what happened with UCLA and USC leaving, um, you're, you're just not being real smart about this. So, yeah, they should be looking at all their options, and whether that's Big 12, whether that's staying in the Pac-12, whether that's going all in and trying to do everything you can to get on the Big Ten's radar. I, think, I don't think that's a possibility, but that, that's what you need to be doing. And uh, you know, with the, in regards to the Pac-12, so much is on hold just because you, know, you don't know what the media rights deal is going to produce. Uh, and I think, I think the Pac-12 has kind of switched uh, their strategy as far as that goes, at least publicly. Uh, I think for a while they weren't saying much. And people were kind of filling in the filling in the gaps, saying, "Oh, this is not good for the Pac-12." So then the president started talking a little bit uh, and saying, that, "Hey, we're united." Um, of course, we haven't seen a Pac-12, uh, you know, media rights deal yet. So, and now, so it's it's just kind of like, what what are we waiting for? And no one's going to make a decision until the numbers are in front of them. And you know, it, it would it be hard for ASU and and U of A to leave? I think it would, but when it comes down to it, 
uh, they have to do what's best for them. It seems like U of A is a little bit more willing to leave the Pac-12, whereas ASU and Michael Crow have has that strong, strong loyalty. Michael Crow has proven that throughout his his tenure at ASU, first to Larry Scott, um, now to the Pac-12. But uh, if they're not looking out for themselves, um, there's no doubt they will get left behind. Just piggybacking off of something that you said there real quick, uh, is it kind of this situation of, like, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? So, like, the schools need to see the numbers for the media rights deal, but our media rights uh, deals kind of slow playing things to see which teams are still going to be left. Yeah, that, that complicates things. Um, you know, it, it's just losing the L.A. market is huge. And I, I think everything's just kind of riding on this because, you know, I think San Diego State and what its future is and whether it's going to um, join the Pac-12, uh, it just seems like everything's on hold for that. And, you know, it seems like the timeline keeps getting moved back, moved back. Uh, you know, I think Ray Anderson not too long ago just said that maybe July, maybe August, but – you know, I think it's proven that maybe the value of the Pac-12 um, is <laughs> is not what it used to be. Obviously, losing the LA school, um, what it what it turns out to be, I, I think probably if I had to guess that the Pac that the deal will probably be good enough to keep the Pac-10 together. I think that's probably what they prefer. Uh, but you know, it, it's hard to say. You don't know until you see those numbers, and you know, without a timetable, it's really hard to predict. Doug, as always, we greatly appreciate you taking some time and going through a plethora of uh, topics with us today, and we look forward to talking with you soon. All right, I appreciate you having me. Once again, he is Doug Howler with The Athletic.